0: Welcome to Emotional Detox. I am so grateful to have you guys here today. I hope that you are enjoying your day. Listen, I want to remind you to make sure you hop over to my website when you get a chance. It's shariannaboyle.com because I have some events coming up that I don't want you to miss. For one, I'm going to be in California, maybe going across the country to 1440 Multiversity to provide a weekend of Emotional Detox for Anxiety where you'll get to learn the Cleanse system. It's February 14th. And if you want to know more about that, then go to sherryannaboyle.com. But today we're going to be talking about people pleasing. And I have an expert here to assist us with that conversation. And her name is Marcia Sirota. She is a board certified psychiatrist, a professional speaker in Canada, as well as throughout the United States. She has more than 25 years of experience in health and wellness. She's written five books and hundreds of articles on personal and organizational development. She's about resolving challenges and long-term results. She's also a winner of Wellness Champion Award and one of top 50 most influential bloggers and communication in Canada. Now, her latest book is called Be Kind, Not Nice, How to Stop People-Pleasing, Build Your Confidence, and Discover Your Authentic Self. Marcia, welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) Hi, great to be here.
0: Well, it's wonderful to have you. Wow. So you you have quite a background. I I checked out your website, looked around a little bit. And let me tell you guys, she's got a lot of resources there. You have courses that people can take and lots of books and very vibrant blog there. So I'm really grateful to have you here. Today, we're gonna be focusing specifically on this idea of people pleasing, but I wanna begin it with your book title, really. It's Be Kind, Not Nice. Can you
1: tell us more about that? What is the difference? Sure. The difference essentially comes from what's driving your behavior, because we can all be pleasant to one another, we can be helpful, we can be generous, but it really depends on where it's coming from within us. So kindness is being driven to do good, to be a good person, because it's who you want to be. It's because you're moved by a sense of compassion, a sense of justice, a sense of rightness and wanting to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, and because your heart is open and you feel that overflowing of compassion and love and caring. Whereas being nice is um, very much about quid pro quo. I'm gonna do something for you and then maybe you're going to give me love or approval or take care of me or or um, help me or validate my existence. So niceness is always motivated by an, either a conscious or an unconscious, often an unconscious desire for some kind of love or validation, whereas kindness is in and of itself an act of uh, you know, your heart opening up and just wanting to do the right thing.
0: Mm, that is very helpful. I love the way you put that. And so the second part of your title is how to stop people pleasing. Can you tell us how do we know if we're people pleasing? How do you define
1: a people pleaser? For sure. I mean, it, <laughs> This is a, like, we could spend the whole podcast just talking about that one, one uh, mm. little phrase, people-pleasing, but essentially, to find out if you're a people-pleaser, you know, ask yourself, am I getting depleted? Am I doing too much? Am I getting resentful or irritable? Am I mm. giving and giving and giving, even when I don't want to? Am I saying yes when I, when I need to say No you know, am I starting to get into arguments or be passive aggressive or lash out when I don't really want to because I'm so frustrated and aggravated because I'm doing for everybody and nobody's doing for me. So Mm -hmm. those are usually signs that you're a people pleaser.
0: Hmm. So it's really about checking in with yourself and noticing how you're feeling, and noticing if you're starting to get resentful and feeling depleted and overextended, that's going to let you know if you have some, pe- if if you're a people pleaser or have some people pleasing tendencies. Correct.
1: Absolutely. And there's another piece as well. The corollary is is looking at the kind of people you're surrounded by, because people mm-hmm. pleasers tend to attract users. <laughs> and, and the interesting is kind people interesting thing is kind people tend to attract people who respect them and who admire them and who love them whereas mm. whereas nice people tend to attract people who are either wanting to be codependent with them so two people pleasers will find each other and do too much for each other and end up resenting each other or they'll find a straightforward user who just takes and takes with the promise that they're going to give love and validation and caretaking, but really they're just exploiters. So if you find yourself constantly in codependent relationships where you're both caretaking each other, but nobody's really getting what they want, or if you're constantly in relationships where people are exploitative or abusive, then it's almost guaranteed that you've been people-pleasing.
0: So looking at the type of people that you attract... And if you're in a more codependent relationship, then it's likely you've been trying to be nice. Exactly. And it ends up turning on you eventually, right? Yes. What, what starts out as nice might end up being
1: bitter. Yes. And the thing is, when you're kind, you're never bitter because kindness always includes backbone. You know, it, it incorporates my concept of ruthless compassion where mm. you are loving and caring, but you always take care of yourself. You always set boundaries. You can Mm. say no when you feel comfortable. You don't act out of guilt or obligation or duty. You act out of your true heart's desire. So you don't get resentful. You don't get angry because you are setting your boundaries and taking good care of yourself. Whereas the nice person tends to get bitter and resentful because they're constantly abandoning themselves because they're trying so hard to get that external validation and they're not focused on loving themselves. So the nice person is looking outside themselves for approval, whereas the kind person ah. loves themselves and that self-love overflows outward onto others. So it's really ah. an extension of their self-love that, that, that's going out. So they don't get bitter and resentful because they're already filled with self-love and self-compassion and on all the good stuff, you know.
0: Wow, I love that. You frame that so well. Now, let me ask you, because I teach psychology as my other job, <laughs> and the first day of class, I always ask the students to share something that they're passionate about, okay? So I, we, we had our first day of class yesterday for this semester, and something that I heard someone say is I really, my passion is to help others, right? And then I won't get too far into it, but I'm, I'm curious as I'm remembering that conversation yesterday, can you help a lot of people think of being kind as helping right let me help you Mm -hmm. can you help distinguish the difference between what it would look like to help give someone help like say they're hurting or they're upset or giving advice or suggestions and how that how that plays into
1: this kind nice piece sure um One of my old patients years ago had an alcoholic husband and she always wanted to be helpful to him. So in the morning she would bring him a little shot of whiskey so he didn't have a withdrawal reaction or when he'd come home staggering drunk she'd tuck him into bed And so the problem with that kind of helpfulness was that the husband never got to experience any of the consequences of his alcoholism and he kept drinking and drinking and he ended up with liver cirrhosis because his wife was an enabler. So she was quote unquote, helpful, helping Mm -hmm. being nice. So he would not get angry at her, but she wasn't being kind to him because she enabled him to perpetuate his self-destructive behavior. Mm -hmm. And it was also destructive to her. So they both lost. So, Being kind is not always being helpful. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is. And sometimes it's allowing somebody to experience the natural and appropriate consequences of their actions so that they have an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, it's like these helicopter parents or these bubble wrap parents, if you cushion your (laughs) child's fall every time, they'll never learn how to be resilient, how to learn not to fall, you know, how Mm -hmm. to learn to look where they're going. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you overprotect, if you overhelp, if you over caretake, if you overdo, you enable bad behavior and you and you disable the person from really becoming you know independent autonomous and and resilient that is so important i mean that's really what i hear a lot
0: you know especially when i'm when i'm teaching from students is i need to go help my friend i can't make class today and i think there's some confusion around this and that is really Helpful to hear that being kind
1: doesn't always mean helping. And you know, you want to identify whether this is a real need. For Mm. example, I've done a lot of work with the feral cats in my in my area, and I've done a lot of spaying and neutering and getting them adopted. And there's a real need. These cats have a you know kind of an eight-year average lifespan compared to the average house cat who has an 18 year lifespan they they die of starvation of disease of they freeze to death in the winter so there's a need and if you can identify a real need and your heart goes out and you're compelled to respond to a need that's compassion and that's the kind of help that comes from kindness whereas if your friend is having um, a neurotic problem and mm. you're compelled to go Rescue or caretake because you think your friend will like you or because you feel ob- obligated to be a rescuer, that there, there's not a valid need there. In fact, maybe that friend really needs to just be quiet and tune into their feelings and mm-hmm. find their own inner strength to solve, solve their own issues. Mm-hmm. And so every time we go to rescue that friend, that friend is, is disempowered mm-hmm. to find their own resources within. So identifying a valid need And having your heart open and your compassion flow, that's kindness. But rushing to rescue, rushing to caretake when Mm -hmm. there is no real valid need is um, kind of perpetuating the codependency. And that has nothing to do with being kind. And nobody wins, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. is, is inconvenienced. Your student misses her class or his class. The person getting rescued is infantilized. So they don't ever learn to stand on their own two feet. So yeah. a valid need, when people really need the help or animals need the help or situation mm-hmm. needs resolving, fantastic. And, and you know, we need to do more of that and less of the other kind of enabling mm. codependent rescuing.
0: I love that. So what would you say to the individual that's now listening to this (laughs) and realizing that they're doing some rescuing and they're doing some caretaking and they're interfering actually, and perhaps perpetuating. What what would you say to that person who's kind of having a light bulb moment right now?
1: I would say you have to look inward and ask yourself, you know, where are you coming from? You know, are you coming from a place of self-love that's overflowing and you're just maybe a little bit misguided into how, how to be kind, or are you doing this kind of rescuing and caretaking because you're deep down inside looking for some kind of external validation? And if that's the case, you need to build your self-love and your self-compassion. You need to also silence that negativity. Maybe there's some inner critic voice that's saying you're not good enough, you're not valid, you're not lovable in and of Mm. yourself, you're only adequate if you're doing for others. And so you know, you have to do that inner work of silencing that inner negativity, of building up your own self-love and, and self-worth and feeling that you're enough just to be. To me, being together is often much more valuable than doing for, right? Mm-hmm. Just being together with empathy and interest and caring can be so much more healing and supportive than you know, rushing around trying to fix things. Mm-hmm. And and when you be with someone. You, you support the other person in finding their own inner resources and inner strength and you empower them to be their best. Whereas when you fix the situation, you mm-hmm. disempower them and you say, I know what to do for you and you don't know what, what you need and I'm going to be the, the hero and you're the victim. So it's, it's a little bit disrespectful. So when mm-hmm. you love yourself, you can tolerate just being with the other person and it's also more respectful to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, of course I'm I'm reflecting from my emotional detox hat here and and how so often this rescuing and the caretaking and the fixing are reactions to our own emotions that are coming up to be healed and processed. And so you have to sit back and look, is this about them? Is this why I'm feeling triggered or is something coming up in me that needs to be attended to? And um, and and you're right. I mean, just that being together piece. You know, my my oldest daughter is is 19 going on 20, and she's no longer no longer lives in the home. So our dynamics have changed. She's on her own. She's completely self sufficient. And it's really fascinating to see how I no longer can interfere. <laughs> I physically can't, right? I, I'm out of the picture. And, and so now when we're together, it's completely different. You know, we're really two adults and, and just being present to her and letting her figure it out on her own. And it's really amazing. I mean, it, it's so powerful. And I, th- I think having her move out has been really, I've seen so much growth in her as well as myself
1: backing off. Well, I I think a lot about how we have difficulty tolerating emotions. We have difficulty tolerating pain. So when we see someone who is in pain or who's making a mistake – Sometimes we can over empathize with them, and, and maybe it's because we have our own pain that we haven't dealt with, like you're saying. And so we have, we're compelled to fix it. So the people pleaser is often someone who has not processed their own emotions and they're, mm-hmm. they're feeling their own pain, their own fear, their own loss. And so when they see someone else who might be experiencing something similar, they want to rush to make it better because that way they don't have to experience their own pain that's being that's treated. Right. By other person so again they need to do their inner work work on self-love work on dealing with their own emotions so that even when their heart goes out in compassion to someone else it's Mm -hmm. not so overwhelming that they feel compelled to fix and they can tolerate being present with the person while that person is having their feelings Mm -hmm. and just know that the caring that they're feeling and the compassion that they're feeling and their loving presence is enough Mm-hmm. And then, so they can tolerate their feelings. Their friend gets the benefit of their love and compassion and, and is able to find their own inner strength and everybody wins that way.
0: Wow. I love it. So tell us about your, you say, ruthless compassion. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> what do you mean by ruthless compassion? Right. So compassion, I think has been misunderstood as niceness, right? Mm And when people say, Oh, you need to be more compassionate, I'll give you a really good story. Yeah, there was a lady who contacted me, and she wanted to have a a therapy appointment. And I have a very, very limited practice right now. I only see patients a couple of days a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do other things and the rest of the time. So I said, okay, you know, you were referred to me by somebody. So I'm going to give you a time that I never see people. I'm going to give you a Friday afternoon at 6.15. Because she says she has this job and it goes very late and it's very, you know, she really needed to see me. So I, I booked her in. So 6.15 rolls along, nothing. (laughs) 6.30, nothing. 6.45. Finally, I get a phone call. Oh my goodness. I had to go into work at the last minute. I didn't get a chance to call you. Um, let's rebook. And I said, I'm really sorry. Mm. My policy is if you can't, if you miss your first appointment without calling to cancel, I am not able to see you. Mm. And, and she said to me, "Well, you know, I had to work, and I, didn't, I just didn't think about it." And I said, "That's perfectly fine, but that's my policy. So I'm sorry, I won't be able to see you." And she was like, "You're not. You're supposed to be compassionate." So you're- <laughs> you're a doctor, you're a therapist, this is not very compassionate, and I said, well, ah, that's yeah. just my policy, I'm really sorry, and she got more and more angry, and finally, I thought to myself, as I was getting off the phone, wow, I really dodged a bullet, this person was incredibly entitled, incredibly yeah. disrespectful, and yeah. and started pulling out, you know, these manipulative words to try mm. to, you know, trick me into, or guilt me, really, into seeing her, right, so, that was an example of ruthless compassion. You know, somebody who, who I went out of my way to give her this appointment. And I told her, I said, I usually don't work on Friday evenings. I certainly don't work at 6.15 on Friday evening, but I'll do this for you. I'll make this exception. I'll go out of my way. I'll, I'll push everything in my life aside to do this Mm. for you. And Mm. then she doesn't show up and doesn't call for half an hour. And, you know, and then, you know, makes a flimsy excuse. So obviously this is not a person who is capable of appreciating or respecting the lengths I took to to try to accommodate her and clearly not a person who is going to respect me moving forward. But, But the ruthless compassion is basically saying, you know, I'm not going to get angry at you, but I'm just going to take care of myself. And I'm not going to deprive you of an appropriate consequence of your bad behavior. And if you choose not to learn anything and blame me, that's perfectly okay. But if you think about it, maybe down the road, you'll have a little insight and have that Mm -hmm. moment where you go, oh, maybe I could have handled that differently. Maybe I could have called her Mm -hmm. before I went into work. Just take that 30 seconds or text or something just to say, I'm so sorry. But Mm -hmm. you know, Ruthless compassion is basically having a loving heart, having a kind heart. Like the kind heart part was me making that accommodation for her, but the ruthless part was saying, well, you know, obviously you're not capable of respecting me and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give you a second chance to do that. Mm
0: -hmm. Too
1: many people will give somebody a second and a third and a fourth chance to disrespect them. Yes. And uh, it's like those girls who, you know, they, they meet a boy online, they go on a date, he says, I'll call. And then he doesn't call and he doesn't call. And then six weeks later he calls and the girls, mm. the girlfriends are saying, give him another chance. And I say, <laughs> yeah, Her girlfriends are essentially telling you to give him another chance to do the same thing to you. So exactly. We, we need to pay attention to people's behavior Yes. Face the truth. That's the ruthlessness part two. Face the truth. Yeah. And deal appropriately with what we see as opposed to getting into denial or wishful thinking or hopeful yep. fantasy or, mm-hmm. you know, accommodating or forgiving or mm-hmm. justifying or rationalizing the bad behavior.
0: Yes. That's great. And I love your examples. I am thinking and I'm putting myself in the listener's shoes. That's all well and good when it's someone you're not related to. Right. And what do you suggest or do you have any quick examples of when this happens in a family? When you have someone who takes advantage of your time, doesn't respect your boundaries, you go out of your way to accommodate them and, and then they don't
1: show up or they change the plan or, and this is a family member. Well, it depends, you know, on many many factors. Obviously, who they are, how much you have to spend time with them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But generally, what I what I feel with ruthless compassion is like, let's say we have a cousin. We go to the movies together, and the cousin is always late to the movies. And you say, you know, the last couple of times we missed the beginning of the movie because you couldn't get your act together. And the cousin promises, no, 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 next time I'll come on time. And of course, next time late again. So Mm -hmm. maybe you just say, you know what, maybe we won't go to the movies. Maybe we'll just go for tea. Mm -hmm. So if you're 15 minutes late or 20 minutes late, you Mm -hmm. know, then at least I won't be frustrated. We'll change our plans. Or maybe we'll just not get together in that way. You know, you can come over on the weekend when you feel like it and we'll all be home and you just show up when you show up. Mm -hmm. So you have to be realistic Mm -hmm. about who this person is. The ruthless compassion is very much about facing the truth, so you be realistic about what you can actually expect from the person, and the other thing is you have to be realistic about how much confrontation is going to be meaningful, because confrontation, Mm -hmm. healthy confrontation where you share your feelings is only going to work if the other person is capable of hearing you without getting defensive or hostile, so Mm -hmm. if you have a sense that this person is just going to get defensive and and angry, just Mm -hmm. don't get into the confrontation, just very gently you know, set your new parameters with them. Mm -hmm. And if you feel that they are capable of hearing you, you can say, you know, um, I would really appreciate it because I like to see the beginning of the movie. So I would appreciate it if you could come on time. If it's too much of a hardship, I understand, maybe we could try another kind of activity. So, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing who you're dealing with and not being in a fantasy about who you're dealing with Mm -hmm. and really responding to that person on their level And being clear about what you need and then making adjustments based on what works for you. And then if the person is really hostile and really difficult, you have Mm. to ask yourself, why are you prioritizing a relationship with this person Mm. simply because they're a relative? Because if you constantly walk away from that interaction, feeling bad about yourself, feeling emotionally drained, feeling agitated or irritated, having a stomachache or a headache, you then need to say, you know, is being with a relative you know, worth it when it causes me so much difficulty. Right.
0: That's great. And I love, I love the principles of ruthless compassion, what they're based on The being realistic and, and the truth and what can you expect and looking at what you said, the confrontation, is it really meaningful? How meaningful is it? Because some of some confrontation can, is an opportunity, but, looking at that. Those are wonderful, wonderful tips. This has been so helpful. Uh, Is there anything else that you would like to share? I would like you to also share your website and anything that you have that you'd like to to bring attention to in addition to your book, which by the way, guys, again, it's called Be Kind, Not Nice, How to Stop People-Pleasing, Build Your Confidence, and Discover
1: Your Authentic self. So final tips. So I think the final tip is that we always have to look inward and we have to take responsibility for our own choices. We it's really important that we don't blame everyone else and the world for Mm -hmm. the problems that we're going through and, and recognize that we're making choices. Now we can also be kind and compassionate. So the ruthless part is taking responsibility and the compassion part is Being forgiving and recognizing that Mm -hmm. if we're constantly making bad choices, it's because we're caught in some patterns of belief and behavior that we can change with help, whether it's therapy or doing the cleanse process or whatever. Mm -hmm. So taking that responsibility, that's the ruthless piece being mm-hmm. compassionate and forgiving with ourselves about the choices that we've been making is the compassionate piece. And then making that effort to change so we're not constantly caught up in these dysfunctional dynamics because they can also happen in the workplace where we're mm-hmm. constantly having conflicts or difficulties or being disrespected or taken advantage of at work. It can mm-hmm. happen in our love life and it can happen with our friendships and in our family. So we don't want to keep perpetuating these dynamics because nobody wins, right? That the, the yeah. person on the receiving end of our people pleasing are not actually getting what they need and the Mm. exploiters who are using us, their heart's desires are not being fulfilled by being exploitative or abusive either. So Mm. everyone will win when we're coming from a place of kindness and everyone will lose when we're coming from a place of, of niceness and people pleasing. So if we take that time to tune in and take that responsibility with gentleness and forgiveness, then I think everyone everyone benefits and the world will be a better place. Cause you know, the world definitely needs more kindness as opposed to niceness. right? I couldn't agree with you more. Thank and you so much. You're yes. You're welcome. Yes. And, and they can find me at md.com And I have a, a podcast series. I have the books, as I said, as you said, and there are courses that they can take on dealing with difficult family members on dealing with emotional overeating and doing a lot of emotional healing to -hmm. break addiction as opposed to some behavioral techniques. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff that they can explore, a lot of radio interviews uh, they can listen to. So there's plenty of content Mm -hmm. for them, plenty of blogs and food for thought.
0: And this is all under her Ruthless Compassion Institute, guys. So you want to make sure that you Check this out. Well, you are a wealth of information, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you're a real pro and I'm really grateful that you offered your time and your expertise to the program today. So thank you so much. And to my listeners out there, I want to remind you that your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. Until next time.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Emotional Detox live group coaching sessions and all of Sheriana's books, go to sharianaboyle.com.